Buenos dias, mio cumpleanos. Things are coming down to the wire with one of my prospective parenting partners. I'm moving to a new apartment soon. Sex is still eluding me for a number of reasons, but I have a plan. This week's interview is with Bobby Fish, sober as a judge. It's my unconventional life. I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness, and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way, it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex, and relationships in 2016, sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week, I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? Well, it's been another busy week, but when isn't it? I had a new editing gig for a few days, enjoyed it. Good bunch of people, learnt some new software, but it did leave me very little time for anything else. I did, however, manage to go with some friends to porn star karaoke at least, but didn't do my best stuff. Even my regular go-to, Tainted Love by Soft Cell, kind of fell on deaf ears. And then at one point, one of the porn stars in charge came over to our table with the mic to get one of the girls to fake an orgasm for a free porn DVD. When my friend tried to suggest me, the porn star said, Nah, he's not cute. Ugh. (laughs) My career in the adult film industry over before it even began. Yeah, it um, hasn't been a good week on the feeling attractive front anyway. But there you go. The drought can't go on forever, surely. Pray for rain. Rachel gets back from Burning Man next week. It's coming down to go time. The last chance to have a kid with her. And I still don't feel at all prepared. Some friends have said, go for it. You'll figure it out as you go along. Others, not. They say there's way too many questions and doubts and uncertainties, but... Who fucking knows? You know, I've certainly had long enough to think about it, but not even remotely enough discussion about the details to feel comfortable. Rachel knew that too, but with the other obligations in her life, and as she tries to honour her authentic self too, there just wasn't going to be enough time, and I think she accepted that. Supermum feels right, but again, not to sound like a broken record, I'm not sure she'll ever be sure. Or I'll ever be in the right situation to have a kid with her. I was supposed to meet that girl from Long Beach, but um, she cancelled the day before, so we're trying to reschedule for this week. Seems very cautious, which is fine. Dating seems to be getting harder. Well, no, not dating, sex. Sex is getting less likely, if that's even possible could be a long time before I have it again. And maybe that's okay. Maybe I should take a break. 
<laughs> a break. Maybe I should let this break continue more truthfully so I can focus and make plans to decide what I really need to be happy and get it. And sex is definitely one of those things. But I guess I'm not ready for it. I almost feel as though I'm only comfortable having sex with someone that I've had sex with before. Which of course seriously limits my options and means I might have to use some air miles. <laughs> I know deep down though, it's all my fucking attitude. I mean, we've known that for a while. I've got to reclaim my mojo, my masculinity. Stop being such a beta bitch. It's time for Alpha fucking McGuinness. I mean, that was my New Year's resolution. And here we are, closer to 2017, and I'm still struggling. And I realized it's because I model my dad, because he was such an inspiration to me as a human being to be kind and funny and a little flirtatious with women, but never beyond that. And it's not a bad thing to be like that, unless you want to have sex outside of a committed relationship very often. So what can you do? Well, read The Way of the Superior Man by David Dada. And man up. This week's interview is the second part with Bobby Fish, sober after a good night's sleep. It's a different take on him, but no less valid or entertaining. Actually, listening back to the interview when editing it almost made me cry when he talked about how much he loves his children. Oh yeah, the girl didn't like me. Like that. But it's okay. You know, sometimes just the knowledge that someone you like is somewhere in the world, it's enough to put a smile on your face. Never in all my years of podcasting have I attempted to do an interview for a second time. <laughs> this will be the first time. Last night, that was Bobby Fish on... Uh-uh. <laughs> Tired. Last night, we got one side of Bobby Fish, and this morning, we may get a different side of Bobby Fish. A more coherent coherent it's um we were just met up downstairs in the hotel and we started having a conversation as always happens when i do a podcast interview within the next 24 hours i have a much clearer conciser conversation with somebody i go man if i could just record that conversation right that'd be perfect and i wonder why what the difference is well i know what the difference is is you're staring at a microphone right well there i think there's that but then uh also i just think over the course of time We've had many an interesting conversation on some of these weekends. Yeah. So it should have been something that would occur to either of us that maybe just one of our random conversations would be more applicable to this than uh, last night when we tried to get at it late after a show and both uh, half asleep. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. But what we were just talking about, we're talking about commitment right and we're talking about having that conversation with people yeah do you want to (laughs) (laughs) well what what exactly about that because we covered a lot of ground (laughs) this is impossible (laughs) no well just expand on what you were uh i just want to 
make sure we're going to the right place here. Yeah. Having well, that conversation with a person potentially that you're... But you were saying to me, because I was explaining how you know, there are a number of girls... I sp- <laughs> that's not even true. There are some girls who I've been intimate with in the past in my life, and uh-huh. they text fairly regularly. Right. Just recently, they just sort of, yeah, kind mm-hmm. of texted a little bit less, and... Um, it's a reality of being in a non-exclusive relationship with mm-hmm. people. And you asked if everybody lives in Los Angeles and, you know, none of them do. And you said, well, surely then there's no conversation that needs to be had because the distance alone would make any rational person think, right. of course this isn't going to be an exclusive long-term relationship. Right. I would think some of it would probably have to do with the age of the people too, only because... My age with that sort of distance, having been in a similar situation, I just assumed that that it was assumed that this would not be an exclusive thing because it just would be crazy when you're a continent apart to think that, okay, that is realistic. But maybe I don't want to boil it down to a male-female thing and just, you know, men think this way and women think that way i don't know Uh, maybe it's a 20 year old might think of it this way and a 40 year old might think of it that way the situation that you were in you had the opportunity to be intimate with somebody and you didn't because you thought that that would mislead them yeah and uh when push came to shove no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't just leave that one hanging there (laughs) You know, um, it just boiled down to, I know where this goes being 39 years old. I have the benefit of knowing where this goes. This potential person did not have the benefit of that life experience. So that being said, to have gone forward with what seemed like the direction we were headed would have just felt way too irresponsible to me as far as with the, you know, her feelings and... But that's kind of unusual. There are not many guys in that situation presented with an extremely attractive 20-year-old girl that would go, well, I'm going to put her feelings and her emotional well-being ahead of this chance to hook up with her, right? Nigel, I, I don't know if you realize how exceptional a person I am. <laughs> <laughs> you are, actually. No, I mean, joking aside, you're kind of a an enigma, really. Right? Um, I mean, if you look at your family, is you know you're not. It, so uh, that was another thing we were discussing was how like every family has their inner turmoil. Yeah, I, I I'd say I have the least amount of problems, the least amount of issues. I, I've accomplished being an adult on a better level than really most of my family members. What do you think that comes down to? Just genetics? Just... <sighs> that utterly confuses me because we, <laughs> we grew up, my siblings and I grew up in the same house with the same parents. We got the same upbringing, especially my brother and I because we're so close in age. So everything was literally the same. You know, we were both Johnny football growing up, like football, football, football was all we cared about. My parents never missed a game, blah, blah, blah. But yet somehow as adults, my brother and I are, are night and day, you know, we're, yeah. we're a total tale of two cities. Sort of right. Thing. Yeah. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? You get into that whole nature versus nurture, blah, blah, blah. But as far as the nurturing we got, it was the same. Hmm. 
So I, I don't know. Was Is my brother predisposed in some way to going the path he has gone down from a genetic thing? Like, so is it something set into motion that he couldn't even help? Hmm. Who knows? Right, exactly. exactly. But it's interesting. Like, I, I did a, an interview with Chris Hero um, like a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about the idea of leaving someone better than when you first met them. And not in the sense of like leaving them, but mm-hmm. like making sure that every interaction you have with another human being is a positive one. Mm-hmm. And they look back at it and say, okay, I learned something from this. I'm a better person because of it. And mm-hmm. I think what you're talking about speaks to that. It's just finding that way of connecting with somebody again like we talked about last night if you can remember how <laughs> we all have that need to connect with other human beings i do remember it to that. be a positive experience mm-hmm. and that's tough because when i think back to some of my non-exclusive short-term relationships i've seen them very positively you mm-hmm. know and actually when i've met up with these girls again many years later they said that was a really important time in my life. And, and maybe there was elements of them feeling like, ah, I wanted it to go this way and it didn't. And there was right. a little bit of heartache involved. Right. But overall, they learned a lot from it and they would never change it. You know, it right. was a wonderful time in their life. So in your situation with that girl who was a lot younger than you, mm-hmm. you could say, well, maybe she could have learned something from being more intimate in that regard i don't know you know maybe you just maybe you didn't want to be that guy that had to get her through that a hundred percent she she totally could have but i don't know and it just it came down to like okay i'm not willing to take the chance on finding that out because of the potential for me i felt like there was more Telling me that hey, this is not going to be a, a positive for her yeah. down the road than there was saying that it, it would be. Just because I didn't think that she had the maturity to see this for what it ends up being as opposed to what she imagined it could be. Mm. You know what I mean? And that being a blow that I don't know. I just I didn't want to force her to have to take. Yeah, yeah. Probably not a good analogy, really, but (laughs) are you familiar with Oscar Wilde? Oscar Wilde is definitely a name I'm familiar with. Hmm. I was an English major in college, so I should probably be more familiar (laughs) with him. I should probably know exactly who he is, but I'm stupid. So um. (laughs) No, he was was a writer, and he was born into the upper classes, um, but this was in the, the mid to late 1800s, and he was homosexual and had a lot of relationships with younger guys, mm-hmm. which certainly nowadays would be frowned upon. Yeah. Know? I mean, not pedophilia age, but certainly... But just above the legal... In those days, no. No, yeah. it wasn't. You know, well, homosexuality in any way back then was illegal. But the 1800s, I mean, you, you got, you know, girls getting married at 14 right too, exactly and, know, and people so. going off to work in factories right. at, at eight years old as well so right. it was a very different world but which here I mean, we are to be honest to- let's go i mean let's get back i got i got a 12 and an 11 year old at home and they're both able-bodied and you right. know I, I don't see why they can't contribute to the household financially right. <laughs> <laughs> i mean at the very least they could deliver papers or something like come on girls send them down the pit. Um, anyway, we got off track here, but the reason I brought it up was because actually what happened to Oscar Wilde was really largely tragic. He had a long-term on-and-off relationship with a young man called Bosey Douglas. 
Mm-hmm. And you could certainly have looked at that and said, okay, he was going to break this young guy's heart. And it actually was completely the other way around, at least in, in what, how it's been portrayed, is that, you know, Bosey was really the downfall of him. And he what was the love. age difference? Um, I think... Even Bo- roundabout. Bosey was, when they first met, would have been 17, 18, something like that. And mm-hmm. he would have been late 30s. So I don't know if it changes from homosexual to heterosexual, but, like, my issue with the age gap being that wide is, like... I don't want to be judgmental. So it's more about like, but what do you end up talking about? Because that's where I feel like the drop off is like, we're just at different stages in life. It doesn't work. Here's the thing. What happened and contributed to the downfall of his life was the fact that Bosey Douglas's dad was a very sort of angry, brusque alpha male and kind of had an idea of what was going on between his son and and the, the famous playwrights. And so basically slandered him in public and left a note at a hotel that they were staying at that basically said, uh, Oscar Wilde posing as sodomite. And so as soon as Bosey Douglas saw this Mm -hmm. and had this axe to grind with his father, who had never really sort of accepted him as who he was, he convinced Oscar Wilde to sue him for slander. Right. And of course what happened is that once everybody started looking into that, they found out about all these homosexual relationships that they'd had. Oh, wow. And so the government then not countersued but started proceedings against Oscar Wilde and basically he got put in prison for like two wow. years hard labor and it was it was the end of him, you know. Wow. Once he came out he was so such a pariah in society that he could never be public again. And he actually had to go to Paris and he ended up dying in a cheap hotel, drinking absinthe with the only guy that was willing to actually be in his life anymore, who he'd actually passed up because he was still in love with Bosey. But during the court case, he actually spoke very eloquently about this May to December relationship and how Plato was spoke well of it. Well, that's what platonic love is based upon. Does it come from Plato being... Yeah, I think there was the a lot of, of it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, wow, absolutely. And, and it's it's about the relationship between generally an older man and a younger boy who, you know, the older man has all the experience in the world and mm. the young boy has the youth and right. the hope and right. the expectation of this life ahead of him. Sure. And uh-huh. I think that's why, I think if you if you look at 100 years ago, a lot of relationships between men and women right. was an older man that was established and had resources. And you can make an argument that that happened because women couldn't make as much money and they needed to be taken care of sure. within that society. But I think even now there is a very valid relationship between an older person person and a younger person and it doesn't have to be sexual at all you know what i mean it's it's a mentorship to something else it's like saying if someone who's 21 years old and they're friends with someone who's 40 years old Mm -hmm. there's a lot that 21 year old can can learn sure and there's a lot that the 40 year old can benefit from being around someone who's 21 because as you know when you have kids right Mm -hmm. you start to see the world through their eyes again and you see hope and you see wonder and you see Mm -hmm. all these different things and so I think it's a very valid relationship. I, I, I mean, I can see the validity of it. I, I just would – I think it comes back to like, okay, it's the best of both worlds in some way. Like you're kind of having your cake and eating it too by getting that youthful infusion for the older 
person in the equation, but then the benefit of life experience for the younger person. But I think that in the end, when those relationships don't work out, it probably has something to do with the fact that you just can't have it both ways. You you almost can't have your youth and your experience in the same setting and, and have it work out. What do you mean by work out? You mean, you know, an exclusive monogamous relationship for the rest of your life, correct? Uh, yeah, because of that age gap, like I said before, with that age gap, it's hard to find common ground to discuss. And why is that the case? Well, because you're at different points in life. So I would think that the tragic flaw of that relationship would ultimately be that. And if you're at all a person who has faith in like, okay, well, the the universe and, and whatever, everything has its reason and everything happens for a reason. I would think that that's why most of those relationships don't end up lasting is that they, they have a lifespan and then ultimately something puts an end to it because as the universe goes, you can't have both. You can't have your youth and have life experience that's going to guide you. You know, like part of youth is being, you know, young and stupid. Nice. That's part of youth. I like and I'm a big MMA fan and and a lot of times I've heard Rogan make the analogy of when you talk about like TRT and, and different things like this, these guys like uh Dan Henderson, who've been fighting forever, who have such a wealth of knowledge to draw on, but as they develop that wealth of knowledge, their physical capabilities deteriorate. And that's almost the yin-yang sort of balance in the universe. And I think anytime you fly in the face of that balance, the universe, you know, uh, slaps you down a lot of times. And so like you would have these super fighters if they're allowed to take this TRT or or whatever it is that's giving them some of their youth back Mm. or prolonging their youth of their physical capabilities. But then you couple that with the knowledge that like an Anderson Silva has from having a thousand fights. That's this super fighter that you throw into, you know, Tekken or Street Fighter and it beats everybody. But this can't be a video game. This is real life, you know? So Anderson Silva at 40, his physical capacity is deteriorating, you know? And and he's not the same fighter. And the miles on that fighter do begin to show themselves. So I just, I feel like maybe the universe has a way of checks and balances. It doesn't make it invalid though. This is what I, I say, judge a relationship on its depth, not on its length. And because arguably, arguably, Mm -hmm. a relationship between someone who's older and younger may not work out for for the rest of their lives as often as people who are the same age, so what? As long as it's a positive experience and you leave it better than than you get into it, right? Yeah, I mean, there's potency to just having that relationship at a certain stage in your life when you, you know, you may have needed it. Mm-hmm. It, it may have served its its role. I've had a few relationships in my life and, and I, I can look back at them now and realize where I was at in these stages. And, you know, I reacted in a way to many things at 20 that now at 39, I would I would never, you know, I mean, even shudder to, to think like that I would react this way or that way. But you're learning part of that time too. So... Mm-hmm. As far as the the knowledge that you're beginning to 
stockpile as you get older in life. I don't know. I guess that relationship, however brief, may just be a part of that process. Yeah, a very valid part of that process. I mean, define a successful relationship. <laughs> I don't know. You know, because most people within this society would look at uh, a couple that's been together for 40 some odd years and go, that's what I want. That's a success. But you don't know when you look from the outside if they sleep in different beds mm -hmm. at home. And, you know, if if the conversation at home over coffee happens or if it doesn't, if they yeah. literally walk around like passing ships uh, in the night, I, I don't know. Right. Absolutely. And I, I just think it's limiting to say that this one notion of a lifelong monogamous relationship for the rest of your life is the ideal and only relationship that has value because I don't think it does at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've got a friend who, who I love dearly that um, is a great believer in that and that's what they want, you know, and they what? seek this out. The, 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 the ideal. one that makes it the distance. Yeah, the mm -hmm. ideal, the person that, you know, they spend the rest of their life together. But they've had relationships when they were younger that didn't last a long time that were extremely beneficial to them, you mm -hmm. know? And so I just think that it's, it's okay, you know? It's okay to be in those sort of relationships. And, and to avoid relationships out of fear, whether it's fear of hurting yourself mm -hmm. or hurting somebody else, is somewhat limiting. I've done it myself. I've been in that situation a number of times, mm -hmm. you know, where I've sort of like said, nah, this is probably going to end badly. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe, again, it's a bad analogy, but it's like... <sighs> going on a roller coaster or doing something like jumping out of a plane. Sure. All these sort of things that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. But you're scared of doing it because, oh, it might not end well. You right. Know? Or maybe I fell out of a tree when I was a kid, therefore. Right. All right. And you're missing out on a lot of life because of it. And it's certainly something that I want to avoid doing. You know, at 40 years old, I want to enjoy the rest of my life as, as much as I possibly can, you know, right. and, and, and if that includes taking some risks within relationships to, to grow, to learn, to teach, then I think it's, it's a worthy risk. Uh, yeah, I see that point. I don't, I think it's one of those situations where you can see the value in those things but at the same time when you are now in the moment all of those things come into consideration and you may change your mind for me personally for having been in that sort of scenario mm. i think once it came down to oh okay well this is a this is a real thing this is tangible like this is the physical act that was assumed is going to happen it can happen right now and i considered so many things at that moment that it was like uh no i can't yeah you know well, that's fair enough it's a it's a choice to make you know it's you know when sometimes they say that when you die you look back on your life and there are certain moments that you mm -hmm. remember mm -hmm. you ever see american beauty Mm, Kevin Spacey uh, it's my favourite movie I have of all not, time I have not seen it go and watch it it's one of my favourite well, movies of all time you <laughs> now don't you dare tell me what to do <laughs> there's a, well I don't want to ruin it for you but there's a scene at the end that sort of is, is related to that okay um, where he looks back on his life and for me because I never had kids mm. you know but you say had past tense you rule out the idea of having them 
No, ever. no, not at all. Oh, I okay. really, really hope I do. Right. Never. I'd be really upset if right, I didn't. Right, but what you just did now, <clears throat> mm-hmm. almost on a like on a subconscious level, says to me that somewhere in the recess of your brain, you mm. have committed to. Oh, well, I'm going to go through this life without having children. Really? Well, because you just said I've never had. Kids, right. and you stated it very matter-of-factly as as in uh, – I mean, we'd have to go back and listen to this to, to hear exactly what you said. Yeah. But that was kind of the feeling I got from that statement was, oh, well, I'm never having them. No, not at all, not in the slightest. It's just when I ask someone, I'll ask you, if you could guess – you know, when you're gray and old and you look back on your life, what moments in your life will you remember? The If not for just for men, I'd be gray and old now. <laughs> At least my beard. I look like ask- fucking Santa Claus over here doing this podcast. <laughs> Let me ask you then, like, heaven forbid, you know, if you get run over when you walk If I out- get rickets. <laughs> you get run over when you walk outside of this hotel. Okay. What memories would flash through your mind, do you think? I don't know. I, I have to assume it'd be my my children. Yeah. But then again, at the same time, like I don't have the vivid memories of like their birth and stuff. I was in the emergency room. Or not the emergency room. Uh, I was in the uh, hospital. I was there. I was present for both births. But neither one – everything happened so fast that my – my recollection of, of those moments are nowhere near as vivid as other things are. Hmm. So there are other moments with my children randomly spread throughout the 12 years now that I've had kids that those things I would think would be first and foremost right. in, in my recollection, so he, but I don't know what they would be. Huh. Beyond that, I don't know if, you know, beyond, like, I don't know if it would be my my kids followed by their mother, my parents, my siblings. My, I, I don't know. So off the top of your head, you can't, there's nothing that comes to your mind and you just go, because for him, it was a car that his cousin had when he was about 16. It was seeing that car for the first time. It was the feeling of his grandmother's hands mm-hmm. um, when he was young. It was the, the sight of... Uh, leaves falling from the trees in the fall when mm-hmm. he grew up for me and this is kind of one of the reasons why i brought it up and i always do it was a girl that i met at uh, a friend's wedding in budapest and i was about i want to say 24 25 she was just turned 18 mm-hmm. and at the time that felt like a big age difference right well yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah seven yeah. years <sighs> yeah but it's is it really? It's nothing. I don't think it is. A 25-year-old and 18-year-old? No, no you're not both at sort all. Of still heading out on your life journey. But I remember I was at the wedding and I was the only English-speaking person there. And I'd gone there because uh, my friend was getting married and her husband was American and no one could afford to fly from America for the wedding. So I was in England at the time. So I came over and I was actually his best man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to the wedding and was walking around and... This girl came up to me and she's 18, just beautiful, you know, on the precipice of of womanhood, you know, perfect in every way physically. (laughs) This is getting creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And she looked at me and the first thing she said, she said, "I, I want to kiss you tonight. Like, this was the hello, how are you? Really? And you know, sometimes on sitcoms, right? Every now and again, they they, they break the fourth wall, Mm -hmm. right? And they look at the camera and go, (gasps) 
Right, 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 right. I said, like, right. did one of those to the imaginary uh, okay, camera. Okay, yeah, that was know? a Chandler, that's a Chandler Bing thing. Like, Is that right? They, I think on Friends, if there was anybody that was going to break the fourth wall, it was going to be either be Joey or Chandler. Right, I always think of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Will would do, yeah, 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 yeah. He would do that a lot. For sure. Right. But anyway, I did one of those moments, and I went back, I did the speech, and had a few drinks, and just at some point in the night, I was like, so, shall we? And we went up to the room... And this sounds like a very sort of superficial story. Hey, I met this cute young girl and I ended up like fucking her. And and it wasn't at all though. For me, it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And I'll never forget, we were in this tiny small room in the hotel in Budapest and there was a thunderstorm outside and there were lace curtains and and they were blowing in the wind. And there was this, just this, this vision of perfection, like naked above me. And I remember thinking, this is a moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I get that. Now, I never went beyond that. Sure. You know, we never had a deep, meaningful relationship mm-hmm. whatsoever. But that experience in and of itself was as valid as any other experience that I've had in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's certainly uh, something to be said for an experience like that. I, I don't see how it couldn't. You know, because you do have, and it's weird, like, I don't know what parts of the brain operate in this visual state, but like those visual moments, and it's weird how your brain holds on to that visual of a kind of a random instance. Yeah. But yet you could, as we're talking about it now, I'm sure you're getting some sort of visual in your, in your brain. Yeah. You know, without even trying. Yeah. I have a similar experience at a a wedding that I went to, my cousin's (laughs) wedding in Florida. This was in my early 20s. And um, yeah, it was something very, very similar. And uh, I remember we had this great uh, evening. And then she was from Toronto and uh, I was going back to New York. So we were going our separate ways. And it was one of those almost like, ah, this shit happens in a movie. Uh You know, like we're at this hotel for this wedding and there were really more good looking women around than there should have been. And then as the weekend progresses, we find out that there was some sort of a swimsuit calendar being shot in our hotel. Right. So that's why there's so many good looking girls in this one space. Me having no game can can spit nothing to these girls that would intrigue them at all. Uh, one of them was, I guess, stupid enough to, <laughs> to end up. Regardless, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but so we have this um, this evening together. Wake up, go in our separate ways after the weekend, and we do. I don't remember where – there was no social media and stuff at the time. But yeah. somehow we exchanged information, not with the expectation of anything. Uh, months later, we ended up putting together the idea that I would come and visit her. And I did. I drove the eight hours to Toronto. This was back when I could get into Canada. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I visit with her. And I'd say within the first 30 minutes of being there, we have sex again. Uh And uh, like immediately as soon – like I knew it was a mistake as soon as that was done. Yeah? Yeah. It was such a disappointing – you know, I think some of those instances need to be frozen in time the way that they are because their briefness 
comes from circumstance and that circumstance almost needs to be maintained and, and be what it is because that's what made that night so special was that it could only be you know, it's a, this is it. it, you know, and this is something that you see generally in a movie kid goes away for spring break and, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. And this was definitely, I was a kid at the time. I'm in my twenties. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think that those encounters maybe are best left alone. At least that one being one of my personal experiences, that was better left alone. And it was nothing that she did or she mm-hmm. was, or there was n- literally nothing wrong with her. But, the magic of the moment was not there. Right. And, and and that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is that that's as perfectly valid an experience, as beneficial an experience as a long-term monogamous relationship. I get that. Yeah. Because I still look back at that instance in Florida when when that, that as a positive, uh, my mother was cleaning out of her house the other day and found a picture and, and was – you know, she's pretty familiar with who my exes have been over the years. This one, she didn't know. And she had said something to me about there being a picture and blah, blah, blah. And do you want it? And I'm like, mom, I don't know who this girl is you're talking about. You know, it's not, um, my girlfriend from high school, she brought her up by name and my, my girlfriend, uh, that I was with before, um, the mother of my children and no mom, it's not her. Um, and when I did end up picking up that picture, I got a good, overall feeling looking at that picture and remembering this girl right. um it took me a second but i did eventually remember her name right because uh, this is some number of years sure. ago now uh and i just had nothing but positive memories of it and to be honest my brain almost compartmentalized florida and then going to visit her in kitchener and i just kind of separated the two mm-hmm. they're almost not even the same person, person. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, so that begs the question, doesn't it? If that is a very valid experience that people like benefit and learn from versus situations where people just, you know, hook up for one night and it's a negative experience, mm-hmm. how do you separate the two? You know, because when girls are on dating apps and they go, not looking for a one night stand, not looking for hookups. And they all say that almost. Right. They do all say that. Absolutely. You know, but I think they would agree as much as any guy that in the right situation, Mm -hmm. as we've both talked about, it's a very beneficial experience, you know. So what separates the two? Is it the fact that it happens by accident without any planning? that causes this or is it something where you can meet somebody whether it's on an online dating app or wherever in the street and go yeah there's a connection here and Mm -hmm. and and sort of follow it more purposefully i think the second scenario requires a certain amount of forwardness Mm. that most people don't have Uh. i don't know if i have it now i may want to have it i i may want to be able to say hey listen this is what i want what do you want? And if it's the same thing, you know, let's dance. But I don't know. I, I don't know many people like that. Right. Is there an element of ru- ruining the moment by discussing it, though? You see what I'm saying? Like in those situations that we're talking about, I didn't meet that girl at the wedding and go, hey, let's like have sex tonight. But like it doesn't have to mean anything, right? 
if I'd have said that to her, it would have completely ruined it. It just happened sure. organically, you know. And so maybe this is something because of society that we don't need to discuss. And it sort of flies in the face of everything I'm learning from these people that I'm friends with who've lived consensually non-monogamous polyamorous life that say communication is the most important thing. And that's what really does build intimacy. But perhaps some people in the world just aren't able to have that sort of level of communication. Maybe. Well, I, I think so much of what you're told growing up of the nuclear family and there should be mom and dad and then the kids and it's all the same house and blah, blah, blah. When you get that hammered into your head to kind of go alternative mm -hmm. um, is a bit of a leap just to get yourself to even accept it that not only is this me, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, that I shouldn't be fighting this. It's okay for me to give way to this and say, hey, you know what? This might be a better option for me. And, and just because it's not what the rest of uh, the society I live in calls proper, it's still okay. Yeah, well, you just summed up perfectly exactly you know, how I feel in my life now, right? This is where I'm at, where... I've got these other ideas and these feelings for relationships that work for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, how do I find a place in the world to to experience them and, and be positive and, and fulfilling and not hurt anybody else in the process, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I over the years, I, my intent has definitely never been to hurt anyone. That was never the goal. Uh, but there's certainly been a few brief encounters with women over the years that I'm sure hurt feelings uh in in some ways and right do you ever have your heart broken oh fuck yes yeah god damn yeah yeah bad what happened um I was on and on and off with uh, a girl in my early 20s mm -hmm. she had some uh issues with different disorders and and whatnot and I I think as I look back at it now, I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, what I knew, and you couldn't convince me otherwise, was no, I'm in love. Right. And I love this girl. And she's right. my soulmate. And this is, you know, it's everything that you see in the movies. I look back at it now and I realize that, like, some of her issues are part of what drew me to her. Because in my early 20s, I realized now that I almost needed to feel needed and to feel like I was the number one difference maker in this person's life. And why I had a need for that, I don't know. I still don't know to this day, but I did. So being with her and uh, the all the ups and downs, trying to be the one that saved her became uh, almost like battered woman syndrome was was almost part of what kept me coming back to her even when she, she would mistreat me. Uh, at times, mistreat me uh, not for the sake of mistreating me, but mistreating me because her disorders and, and whatnot, God, she was you know combating and dealing with these every day. Yeah. And sometimes they may, it made her do things that were out of character and motivated more by, oh, Jesus, well, I gotta, I'm anxious right now. And yet when you're on the other side of that, the receiving end, you're like, wait, well, why don't you love me the way that I love you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, magnify that over the course of five years, up and down, on and off, together, not together. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, got my heart broken. So if you could go back now, I know you can't, but if you could go back now and 
change anything? Would you just not have anything to do with her whatsoever? Or do you think that it helped you become the person you are? Uh, so from then to now, I've had instances where that's has two different answers. Now, at 39, no, I wouldn't change it. But there are definitely points at 30, I don't know, 33, 35, I, where I would have been like, ah, no, I let's just cut that chapter out of my life. But I realize now the purpose it served. I realize now even the relationship that came after it, which was like a year and a half, it took me a, over, yeah, like a year and a half, closer to two years to have another um, sort of relationship with anybody. Uh. And then that relationship was very brief and was very physical. And, but I recognize now at 39 that like that one served its purpose too to help me yep. get over the heartache of, of the previous one. Right. So it's like they all kind of layer on top of each other and they, they do have positive purpose. Yeah. However, like if you were to talk to my the mother of my kids, my ex, and ask her uh, some of the negatives of, of being with me, uh-huh. I think she would tell you that some of them came from my time spent with this one that right. you know broke my heart. Yeah. For me, I feel like when I look at some of the very traumatic relationships that I've been in, I see value in them. But the biggest issue for me is that I could have learned the lesson way quicker. And that life is short and that relationships are basically lessons to be learned, whether positive or negative, you know. And for me, I just arguably should have got out of relationships that weren't healthy for me or for whoever it was I was in sooner rather than later. And I think that's what you learn as you get older. I would say the same exact thing for that relationship where I got my heart broken. But I was just a stubborn cuss and it dragged on for like five years where, yeah, the same thing could have been accomplished in probably two. Yeah. You know, if not even more brief, I I don't know. Yeah. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because there are people probably listening to this now who perhaps are in a similar sort of situation, but you can lead a horse to water. Yeah. I, I almost feel like there is just a certain amount of value in that early 20s, not that it has to be, but just seems to be the norm early 20s relationship where it's the first time you're feeling such intense love for somebody or maybe love is the wrong word you don't you really kind of don't know what what name to give it and then have it all go wrong and fall apart and then you're left with this mess in your lap and you're like what the fuck do I do now and even there was a process in me getting over that and that was a, a valuable life lesson and I still – I look back at that process as kind of a positive thing now at, yeah. at 39. Well, as well, and when you think about it, you know, you've got two daughters who are growing up and mm-hmm. perhaps they're going to go through similar sort of experiences. Oh, and, God. Yeah, right. It's going to crush me. Yeah. It's going to crush – I mean having daughters now and, – and I joke around a lot of times about, okay, the idea of them them dating and blah, blah. No, I'm going to keep them you know, locked away until they're 30, blah, blah, blah. But it, that's all in jest. That's all jokes for me. Like I understand that my kids are going to date and, and all that stuff and I can deal with it. It is what it is. But the first heartbreak is going to crush me yeah. I'm not, you know because I'm not going to be able to take it away and that's something that I treasure in in having my children is that I'm their protector when they need something when they're hurting I take that pain away as quickly as I can you know having been through it I will know 
when I see them experiencing it, this isn't going away tomorrow yeah. or the next day or the next day. And uh, they will glean value from it ultimately. But fuck, it's going to take a long time for them to get to that point. And there's going to be so much heartache between. Yeah. Uh, you just hope it's going to crush can, me. Right. You just hope they can come to you and you can have that conversation <sighs> and help them, right? Because. Yeah, I hope. You know, did you go to your parents? No. <laughs> Not at all. But there's a huge disconnect between yeah. my parents and I because of the uh, age. Because I have right. a, a sister that, that is 15 years older than me, I think there was a lot of things I didn't go to my parents with because – or my parents didn't come to me with just because <clears throat> there's a big generational divide and uh, it was never really overcome. Yeah, I don't look at it as as it affected me in a, in a negative way. But again, maybe it did and I just don't know it. Hmm. <clears throat> it's interesting because at 40 years old, if I do have kids now, there is going to be that generational gap. And, you know, I've got to do my best to make sure Very that, true. Yeah, that we can, you know, communicate and connect and they feel comfortable enough to talk to me about anything. So, uh, good problem to have, though. It's a challenge, right? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something that I need to be conscious of, too, because at this point, if I'm going to get into another relationship there may come a, a time where this person i get into a relationship with may, may say well i want kids right and i would feel inclined to give that person kids if we are going to you know try to do the stay together forever thing right so yeah i then i i would be approaching the same situation where I'd be having children doing basically creating the same exact scenario that my parents had you know, the, the household that I grew yeah. up in with that age gap. Yeah. Right. Wow. So that I can go pick up my my not born son from the office at school and they can call him down because his grandfather has come to pick him up. It'll be great. Oh, jeez. All right, mate. Um, well, this has been really good. I've really enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> this is a little bit better than <laughs> last night. I think it's going to be great because I think people can, can contrast between the two. But there, there was some great moments last night as well, but you'll see the difference uh, either way. Good conversations. I wish we yeah. could carry on, actually. We're really getting into something, but um, Todd Sinclair has just texted me, and I've got to jump in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Get out as soon as possible. So thank you, mate. And, no, thank uh, you. Uh, let's uh, see where our lives go from here. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll update on a on a future podcast. That'd be great, mate. Cool yeah. beans. All right, cheers. Well, that was Bobby Fish sober. Which did you prefer? I like him either way. Next week on the podcast is an old friend that I met originally when she was just a wrestling fan, hanging out at the hotel after the shows. Now, she is an aspiring ring announcer, valet and manager doing what she really loves. She has a lot to say about dating and relationships. Next week, it is the gorgeous Joe Rose. I'll see you then. Well, that is it. One week closer to Six Feet Under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelwrestling.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then, 
wherever you are, and wherever you're with, I hope you find kindness and love. Be happy. Yeah.